This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Teenagers in the United States love Snapchat. Photos, videos, and messages you send on the app eventually disappear, so Snapchat has this reputation for being fun and casual. But that combination can also be dangerous. NBC News recently put out an in-depth look at how teens are using social media, particularly Snap, to buy drugs. Officials say children are buying counterfeit pills that look like Percocet, Oxycontin, or Xanax. The Drug Enforcement Administration put out its first public safety alert in six years, warning parents and kids to look out for these fake pills online. Olivia Solon is the journalist behind the bombshell report, and her work is now forcing Snapchat to make changes. She's here to fill us in on what's been going on. Hey, Olivia. Hi. So where does the story start for you? How did you first become aware of what was happening? Well, I've been interested for a long time in the opioid crisis and the role that social media plays in the distribution of illegal drugs. But about a year ago, I started hearing about teenagers who had no history of opioid use and in some cases no real history of drug experimentation beyond weed who were suddenly dying after taking a single pill of what looked like a prescription medication. And so that's when I learned about the rise of these counterfeit pills that look like regular prescription pills, Percocet, Valium, Adderall, but that are actually made by the cartels and don't contain any of the drug that they're supposed to contain, but instead contain an opioid called fentanyl. And this struck me as being a really interesting problem. Social media companies generally don't allow the sale of prescription drugs on their platforms. And so they're kind of looking for this stuff anyway. But it seemed like the counterfeit pill issue presented a much greater risk to users and it required a different approach. Could you walk us through exactly how it works? How does a teenager in their bedroom end up making contact with a drug dealer on Snapchat? A teenager in their bedroom might have loads of friends on Snapchat who they may or may not have met before. And the dealer will post a snap, an ad, essentially, outlining what drugs they have available, from weed and molly to what you think are going to be Percocets and uh, Oxycontin or Adderall and may or may not be these counterfeit pills. And then, it, I mean, I guess it kind of operates like regular <laughs> drug dealing, i.e. you make contact with someone and they will probably show up at your house with a delivery or you go and meet them out in the park. So why Snapchat? So drug dealing isn't a problem that's like unique to Snapchat, but it's more about the age group, I think, that's experimenting with these types of prescription drugs, teenagers and young adults. And Snapchat is obviously the place where you can find the most um, American teens, I think more American teens than on any other social media platform. So that's where dealers go to sell to them. 
And I think there are a few features around Snapchat that do make it appealing. There's the ephemeral nature of the messages. They disappear after you've seen them. And the fact that it's a closed platform that can't easily be scanned by external researchers and law enforcement, like Facebook and Instagram, can be. So it makes it a little bit harder to monitor. So the dealer accounts, they're not official ads on Snapchat. They're just accounts associated with a phone number and sort of a, an anonymous front for the drug dealer. Yes, they're just accounts like another friend on Snapchat who you can connect with and buy drugs from. And in your reporting, you talked to a lot of families who lost loved ones after they bought counterfeit drugs off Snapchat. Can you share some of those stories? Yes, I can. And it was just horrifyingly easy to find these families. There are just so many of them. So I talked to Amy Neville and her son, Alexander, was 14 when he died last June. Uh, he'd been experimenting with some weed and some pills, but he'd always had very like frank and open conversations with his parents about them. And he used to research like the dosing of drugs online to kind of find out like what the appropriate dose for his weight would be. And so he took what he thought was an Oxycontin pill that he bought on Snapchat his mum found him dead the next day, looking like he'd just fallen asleep. And the pill that he'd taken contained enough fentanyl to kill four people. I also spoke to Amanda Faith Eubanks and her 13-year-old son, Luca, died in August last year. I think at the time he was the youngest kid to have died from a counterfeit pill. And he'd been having toothache after he'd had a root canal. And he mentioned this to a guy he'd been buying weed off on Snapchat, a 19-year-old dealer who then said, oh, well, I can sell you a Percocet to help with the pain. And again, it turned out to be a fake pill that contained no Percocet. It only contained fentanyl and um, he died as well. And frankly, you know, it's really terrifying to me. I'm hearing loads more stories of kids in in high schools across the US since I wrote this story. Um, loads more parents have been contacting me saying the same thing has happened. And as you said, the teens that died were under the impression that they were buying one drug from the dealer on Snapchat. The pills turned out to be counterfeit and contain fentanyl. For those who don't know, what is fentanyl and how prevalent of an issue is it in the United States? So fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's about 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. It was developed originally for the management of severe pain after um, surgeries or, or during cancer treatment. But then it started to be added into the heroin supply to increase its potency. It's really cheap to make fentanyl because it's so highly concentrated. It's quite easy to ship around because small quantities are so powerful. And a very small dose of it can have quite a strong effect that maybe mimics a lot of other drugs. So heroin, obviously being one of them, and other painkillers, Percocets and Oxycontin. And so over the last few years, it's become this key ingredient in counterfeit prescription pills made mostly by the Mexican drug cartels. The issue is they're not made in a controlled laboratory environment. They're made in sort of dodgy pill press factories. And so the dosing can be very erratic. A very tiny amount of fentanyl can be at deadly dose. And the number of counterfeit pills containing fentanyl that were seized by the DEA has more than quadrupled since 2019. More than one in four of those pills that are tested turn out to contain a deadly dose of fentanyl. Well, you reported that 
parents of kids who have died have started organizing to speak out against this problem. What have those efforts looked like? There's been a real mix of approaches from parents. Some of them that I've spoken to, people like Ed and Mary Tanan, they have a nonprofit called Song for Charlie, and they've been working directly with the social media companies to try and create public service announcements to warn kids about the harms of counterfeit pills. Others, like Amy Neville, who I mentioned earlier, she's been calling for Snapchat to do more to crack down on the sale of drugs on their platforms. Um, So she wants them to use better technology to detect drug dealing proactively and be more cooperative with law enforcement to make sure that they get the information they need during their investigations. And then I think there's a third category of parent and they've been going down the kind of legislative route. They're trying to change the law to make it easier to charge drug dealers with murder rather than just treating these as regular overdoses. And how are lawmakers responding both at the state and national level? So it's slow going. However, what we are seeing is prosecutors in different counties across the US starting to take a more stringent approach to prosecution and to think about these cases as drug-induced homicides rather than like a regular overdose. But this is happening in different pockets across the US. And um, I think that it seems like there's starting to be appetite for for doing something on a larger scale. And I know, you know, the DEA, for example, has made this an enormous priority issue this year. I would be very clear in saying that of these almost 100 investigations, that a significant number of them relate to drug trafficking on social media sites like Snapchat, like Instagram, and that there's no question in my mind that those sites need to do more. If we know that there's drug dealing happening on their sites every single day, they know that too. What about Snapchat? What has the company done to eliminate drug dealers from the platform and make it safer for kids? Well, first of all, Snapchat will say we've got a policy prohibiting the sale of drugs on our platform, which which they do. And they do use quite a lot of technology to detect the sale of drugs. So they use like image recognition. They kind of keep track of all the latest slang that's being used. And they use kind of technology to detect if people are selling pills and remove their accounts if they are found to be doing that. They've also started working with a third-party research company called S3, and that scans, interestingly, scans other social media platforms on the dark web, but looking for references to Snapchat accounts in their advertisements. This is partly because it's much easier to scan the other platforms than it is to scan Snapchat externally. Then this third-party research company passes on that information to Snapchat to say, hey, we've found these ads on Instagram that are mentioning a dealer on Snapchat, and then they can go and investigate and remove those accounts. And then the kind of third big area that Snapchat's kind of involved in is making content to kind of educate their young users about this issue. So, what's a fentanyl? A fentanyl is a fake prescription pill that looks just like the real thing, except it contains fentanyl. Fentanyl is an extremely powerful opioid, which is mixed together with a bunch of other stuff, then pressed down into pills to look real. So they're making little mini kind of documentaries and ads and stuff, trying to raise awareness about the fact that just one of these pills can kill you. But as you said, the very nature of Snapchat being an ephemeral messaging platform makes it very difficult to know what's going on on the platform. So do we have any idea how successful Snapchat's efforts have been? Well, we have to rely somewhat on Snap's data. And so they told me that 
Improvements to their proactive detection tools allowed them to increase the number of accounts they removed by 112% during the first half of this year. But dealers can still just get a new phone number, create a new account, and that just seems to be happening quite a lot, at least having spoken to all these parents. Many of them are still seeing the same dealers pop up again and again after their kids have died. So it does seem to be a bit of a game of whack-a-mole. And those parents, do they feel satisfied with what Snapchat is doing? My guess would be no. No, I think a lot of them really want Snapchat to be doing a lot more. Um, particularly, I think that one of their main requests is being more proactive with law enforcement. So instead of just deleting accounts found to be selling drugs, they want them to be reporting those accounts to law enforcement and preserving the data on those accounts. And they also want Snapchat to be more responsive to law enforcement requests for data during investigations. As I understand it, one of the main challenges here is a a bit of a lack of education among law enforcement agencies about how Snapchat works and therefore what information they should and could be requesting. I think in some cases, law enforcement doesn't know that although the messages disappear for the user, Snapchat actually holds on to that information for a period of time after they've been deleted for the user. So you can actually go and make a law enforcement request, but file a subpoena and they will preserve that information and can provide it in the event of uh, an investigation. So like you said, this problem is not necessarily specific to Snapchat, though Snapchat is a place where drug dealers feel like they can do business without getting caught. How concerned should we be about the same thing happening on other platforms or just the internet at large? I mean, I think it's happening everywhere. It's happening on Instagram, it's happening on Facebook, it's, you know, these sales are happening on the dark web, via Telegram, they're happening on street corners. It's a huge issue generally. This counterfeit pill issue specifically, to me, is really scary because it means that like the teenage experimentation that probably many of us did when we were younger just comes with this absolute Russian roulette element that just simply didn't exist before. You know, you're buying a pill that you think is a prescription pill made by a pharmaceutical company. Sure, it might not be great that you're buying an OxyContin pill, but one of these pills is not going to kill you. But one of these counterfeit pills will kill you. And so, yeah, I think it's an issue for all social media companies to be considering. And it's certainly one that all parents should be aware of. Thanks for joining us, Olivia. Thank you. Tomorrow, SNAP will be hosting a summit with law enforcement agencies from all over the U.S. to bring them up to speed on how their platform works. Advocates are hoping that more collaboration between the company and government officials can finally create change and save children's lives. Make sure to check out Olivia's full story on the NBC News website. A link to it is in our show notes. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Robert Mouncey. There's a story you want us to cover? Please let us know. Email us at recodedaily at recode.net.